Beautiful souls, do you have a prayer request or want us to send you healing energy today? Would you like us to be praying for your friend or loved one? If this is you, go to worldslargestprayernetwork.com to submit your prayer request. And while you're there, please sign up to join our team of prayer warriors. The angels say prayer not only opens you to miracles, raises your vibration, and helps you heal, but the more you pray, the more God's presence is felt on earth. Feel your angels' love as they surround you right now, and listen for the positive, loving messages your angels intended specifically for you in today's episode. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And today we're here with Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll. He has a, he was a board certified um, emergency physician for decades who worked with over 60,000 souls. And uh, you have a lot of experience with near death passing, um, people kind of crossing over and coming back and just kind of do well I'll let you say it Jeff welcome to the show thank you thank you for having me I'm honored to be with you yes yes I did have a lot of experiences in the emergency department and some of them couldn't be explained by the science I learned in medical school okay you say it so much better than I do so talk to us a little bit about this because you've got a book about this as well and from what I have seen, this all kind of started when your brother passed. He was 15 years old. He passed in a farming accident. And you began to hear from him afterwards, where years later you were in the car. And tell the story of what happened. My brother tipped a tractor over just a month before my 12th birthday. And uh, I didn't think it had any major impact on me, really. I mean, I loved my brother. We spent a lot of time together, but his departure, I didn't think it really impacted me in a deep way. But I did start receiving messages. And as you mentioned, on one occasion, I was driving along in a car after dark on a narrow, windy country road. I had two friends in the car. In those days, none of us wore seatbelts. There was a Volkswagen. And I heard a voice and it said, you need to slow down. And for some reason, I listened. I slowed down. I went around a corner and I hit a Cadillac head on. Wow. Uh, there was a lot of damage to the vehicles, but nobody was injured. And looking back, I think that I might have died that night if, uh, if I hadn't have listened. And, and I didn't understand for a long time the voice that I heard because I was in a very rebellious part of my life. I I wouldn't have listened to my parents or any authority figure, but for some reason, I listened to that voice, and I later came to believe that it was because it was my brother. I had grown up with my older brother, and I would listen to anything he said. I would believe everything he told me, and I think that was the only voice I would have listened to that night. And I must have had a lot of those experiences that I don't remember, because when I was still a teenager, I think I was 19. I approached this woman that was a few years older than me that I really respected. And uh, she seemed to have a lot of insight about spiritual things, if you will. And I asked her with the only vocabulary available to me at that time in my young life, without giving her any context at all, I just looked at her and I said, does God ever speak to you in sentences? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, she just looked at me with a very knowing look and she said, don't ever doubt that, which proved to be good advice. It was about 20 years after my brother died that he finally, he came to me one day and I had an experience with him. And he told me, you have to go talk with our mother because there's things she's never told you about my death. Mm. I, I went and sat down one quiet day with my mother and we visited for a while. And she told me for the very first time, she said, I always knew where you were in the house before Stan died because I could hear you singing. When your brother died, you stopped singing. Wow. That was the first time I realized the impact that his, his departure had had on my life. Wow. When you say that you heard him, my dad passed away. You probably don't know my story, but I started hearing from him too. And when I describe what it sounds like, it doesn't sound like my dad's voice, right? It sounds like my own internal dialogue, but I can tell the difference now. It's very, very subtle between what spirit or what's him versus what's my own internal dialogue. Did it sound to you when your brother was coming through to you like it was your own internal dialogue or his voice? Um, I've had both experiences, so I appreciate the difference you're, you're describing. And sometimes I have had experiences that felt like my own internal dialogue, but often I've recognized the voice that was speaking to me or I had an ineffable knowing of who was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, if you've had these experiences, the words are the tiniest slice of what's delivered. What you get is this profound flow of knowledge and understanding, and you understand where it came from and why and the context. And it all flows instantaneously, often with just a few words. It's almost like it's really a telepathic language that brings through it a very profound energy, wisdom, and knowledge that's just delivered telepathically. Yeah, when you mentioned that your father had passed, it reminded me, when I published my book, I had a handful of brand new books off the press in my bag, and I was sitting in the lounge at the airport going to my first formal speaking engagement near Boston, Massachusetts. And this young couple came and sat down next to me and started asking the usual airport questions, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? And when they found out what I was going to be speaking about, this young woman, she just got a really serious look on her face. And she said, my grandfather just died. Mm -hmm. And he's come to me a couple of times. And we had a beautiful conversation. Initially, I wondered, why would you share something so intimate with a total stranger? And then I, find, I realized, oh, she knows I'm a safe space. She knows she can tell me and I'll believe her. And she took one of my books and went and caught her plane. As you mentioned at the, at the beginning, I had seen about, I'd estimated in excess of 60,000 60, patients by that time. And on the plane to Boston, a voice spoke to me and said, you will help more people with this book than you helped as a physician in the emergency department. Isn't that incredible? It gave a whole new view of the next chapter of my life. Yeah. So were you a physician at that time? I had stopped seeing patients by then. I stopped seeing patients. And about six months later, I woke up one day and I just something clicked in my soul and I understood it's okay to talk about it now. I hadn't talked about my experiences for over 25 years. And within six months, I'd written my book and uh, I was on my way to Boston. So 
it's interesting because you started off saying, um, you know, it's interesting that your dad passed away, Julie. And then you talked about the airport in Boston. And my dad ran that airport in Boston, helped run that airport wow. um, before he passed. And that's where he lived. So that's kind of cool, too. Love it. Like spirits bringing through messages inside the interview. <laughs> that's kind of how a lot of what I'm doing started, actually. After I published my book, a lot of people wanted to talk to me about my book, and we'd have these long conversations over lunch often. And I found that frequently I would get these messages about what to say to these people, and they weren't my words. Yeah. And, it, and it happened very organically, this transition to what I'm doing now, uh, where I sit and help people connect with their highest self and their most authentic life. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's amazing. And that's exactly what it's about, right? Because once we push ourselves aside, the divine can come through and just bring through whatever needs to come through. I'm interested in your view as a doctor. Where did the body and spirituality intersect? Ah, great question. I'm I'm of the belief that we all existed long before we were born. Mm-hmm. That we existed in some form that we don't fully understand now, and that we're now experiencing life in this physical realm, and that we continue to exist beyond physical death. So, as you mentioned, uh, I was having these experiences from my young teenage years. And sometimes, as the messages became more frequent and more powerful, uh, more substantive. I sometimes would see the messenger delivering the message. Mm. And so by the time I got to the emergency department, sometimes I would see souls leave their bodies when they died and they'd communicate with me before they left. But it felt natural to me. It felt normal because of all these experiences that I'd had in the decades leading up to that. So in medical school, I, I learned all about the physical body and how to take care of the physical body. But I already had this innate understanding about a spiritual element to our existence. And for me, a lot of people talk about that there's this conflict between science and spirituality. But for me, it never felt like a conflict. It felt complementary. They they go together. And often when you take care of the spirit or the soul, you take care of the body and vice versa. Yeah, I love that. Do you, so do you think, though, that when we don't care for our physical bodies, that it impacts our spirituality? If so, how so? I think it does. So much of our spiritual existence is immediately around us all the time, and we're unaware of it because we're distracted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we don't take care of our physical body, we become more distracted with ailments and aches and pains and physical sensations, which is why it's so important that we have a practice where we get quiet, we get still, we we step out of the physical for a moment and we experience things spiritual. Because it's not that the spiritual isn't there all the time, it's that we're distracted by things physical. Yeah. I love that. So you have a um, term that you use, and I want you to explain this to people. A lot of people say near-death experience, but you say near-life experience. Explain to people what you mean by that. 
Yeah, I, I coined that term when I was writing my book. And the reason I did is because I have a lot of friends in the near-death community. Uh, many of them, if I mentioned your names, you'd probably recognize them. And uh, I think without exception, all my friends in the near-death community say when they were out of their body, when they were physically dead, they felt more alive than they did at any other time of their existence. They felt more connected, more vital, more powerful, uh, more uh, authentic and whole and complete. They felt alive. And it was that reason that I called them near life experiences, because I think we come most near our fullest life when we step out of the body. Oh, Jeff, that is just so powerful. I love that you coined that term. So... What was the first time? Because I, I know that you had experiences where people passed away um, that you were working on. They'd come into the emergency room. You did everything that you could to save them and they'd pass and you'd see their physical presence leave the body. You'd connect with their energy and you connected with some of them who would just thank you profusely for trying to save their life. I wonder if you could share some of these experiences and maybe the most profound ones that come to you. One of the ones I've talked about the most happened 25 years ago this year. And a, a man that was about my age, he was a couple years younger than me. I'd never met him before. He uh, had a car crash a couple hundred miles away from the hospital. He thinks he fell asleep, but he's not certain. And his car rolled over and it took the life of his wife of 10 years and his 14-month-old son instantly. Wow. And his seven-year-old son survived without much injury. Uh, this man uh, had a lot of broken bones. He was badly injured internally. And he was extricated from the car and flown to my hospital. When I went into the trauma room, he was unconscious on the gurney, surrounded by a, a team of caregivers and other doctors taking care of him. And standing in the air above the gurney was his wife, who was now had recently passed in the accident. And she was just filled with light and love and glory and just this beautiful soul uh, that I'd never met before. And yet she talked with me as she communicated her profound gratitude for the care he was receiving. And I walked over and uh, I wasn't responsible for his care personally. There was others taking care of him. But I walked over and I looked down at him and looked at his badly injured leg. And I checked the pulse in his foot. And I remember thinking, uh, he's going to lose the leg. I might even have said it out loud. And as I looked down at him, I could still see his wife standing in the air behind me because I could see in all directions at the same time. We sent him off to the operating room shortly after that. And I went home never expecting to see him again. But about a month later, I ended up in his hospital room. And I shared with him the experience I'd had. And he started to weep. And he, he felt so validated by what, by what he shared, what I shared with him, that he had the courage to speak up and tell me that he had actually left his body at the scene of the accident and wow. risen up above the automobile and was in this brilliant, bright, wonderful place. And his wife came to him and said, you have to go back and raise our other son. And he told me about the experience of re-entering his body. Uh, his name's also Jeff. We've been good friends now for over 25 years. 
So as you've had some of these experiences, would you talk about it in the hospital? Because I've met a lot of people who work in hospitals and they're like, Julie, I get laughed out of a room. I just wondered if this felt like an isolating experience as you were a physician seeing this happen. Did you have an outlet to talk about it with other people? Well, as a matter of fact, there was one nurse and she had profound experiences that she shared with me. And some of them made me weep. They were so, so amazing. And she pried it out of me. She, but she, she pulled it out like pulling teeth until I finally shared some of my experiences with her. So she knew about these experiences I had. And in fact, it was her that came and grabbed me by the arm that night uh, when Jeff was Jeff Olson is his, is his name. He was flown to the hospital. She came and grabbed me by the arm and said, you have to come to the trauma room. I wasn't even going to go in there. And she said, no, you have to come. I said, why? And she said, He's, she's there. I said, who's there? And she said, his wife, she's there. You have to come. And then I realized what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I never expected to see Jeff Olson again after that night, but it was a month later. She came and grabbed me by the arm again and said, we have to go tell him what happened because she saw his wife too. She said, we have to go tell him. And so she drugged me up to his hospital room. And that was the reason that Jeff and I are friends today. So there was one other person that I talked about these things with. Friends, want a five-day free trial of the Angel Membership? Go to angelwellnesscenter.com backslash free trial to start your free trial today. You're not going to want to miss out on 2023 in the Angel Membership. We're adding intuitive development circles, expert guest faculty teachers, 40 new pre-recorded energy healing sessions guiding you to hear your own angel messages and content exclusively for kids. A whole year of new Angel Membership content starts January 1st, 2023. The angels call it a year of ease and healing the whole you, mind, body, and spirit. With topics like somatic healing and embodiment work, we're focused on spiritually healing the whole being through a journey of personal transformation. Plus, you'll get access to live events and past content. Sign up for your five-day free trial now. One more surprise. We launched the Intuitive Kids podcast early. You can now listen everywhere podcasts are found. To celebrate, we're giving away dozens of prizes in a drawing for people who leave a five-star positive review. So don't forget, Leave a review of the Intuitive Kids podcast and separately sign up for your five-day free trial of the Angel Membership. We know you're going to love it. Details are in the show notes. So as a physician, you've seen so many things in your lifetime. You've studied so many different things. You've studied now near-death experiences, near-life experiences, and what do you make of it? Give us your insights, your aha moments into why does this happen? Well, from a medical standpoint, from a biological standpoint, I don't have a reason why it happens. I don't know why it happens. 
why some people have it and other people don't. Uh, one well-designed uh, study by a cardiology friend of mine in Europe uh, looked at consecutive uh, cardiac arrest patients and uh, in multiple hospitals in Europe. And his study was well-designed enough and he was respected enough. It was published in Lancet, which is arguably the most respected medical journal in the world. And he found that about 20% of cardiac arrest survivors have one of these near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences. And there's this big question whether are more than 20% actually having the experience and don't remember it? or are only 20% having the experience? And if so, why 20%? In in another uh, study uh, looking at ICU patients that have suffered catastrophic illness or major trauma, that number may be as high as 30%. So these these experiences are happening a lot. And I don't know why they happen from a medical biological perspective. The message of almost every person that has a near-death experience when they come back is one of love. It's nothing else in this world matters except love, which is wonderful considering what you have written on the board behind you. Yes. I love you. I love you. I love you. So there are a lot of people out there who are skeptical, right? A lot of women that I work with, too, have husbands that are skeptical. And what do you say to the people in the near death, near life community, um, the skeptics who will say, what if it's just the brain, right? The brain kind of working in a way that this is something that happens towards the end of life. I've talked to Dr. Lisa Miller, who's done a lot of brain research, and I don't know if you've looked at any of the brain research, but she is really convinced that the brain and what's happening in the brain is completely separate from the realm of spirituality. And I don't want to put any words into your mouth, but I'm just curious to see if you've looked at any of this and what your opinion is. Yes, I do have an opinion about that. Um, one of my friends, Eben Alexander, uh, was a neurosurgeon in Harvard. <laughs> He's going to be on the show soon, too. Yeah, he was in. He he practiced medicine, a neurosurgeon in the Harvard system for I think fifteen years until he got a rare form of meningoencephalitis, mm-hmm. and uh, he was on an EEG monitoring his brain waves, and he had no brain activity for a week. He was a total materialist prior to his experience, and meaning that he felt that consciousness was created by the brain. After his profound near-death experience, uh, when he recovered enough to read his own medical record, he concluded that his brain was far too sick to have created the experience he had. And one would argue if the brain is active creating the experience he had, why did he have no brainwave activity on a continuous EEG monitor? Um, But some months, I think it was after his NDE, he was adopted. He didn't even know he had a biological sister until he received a letter telling him about his deceased biological sister. And it included a picture of her. And he immediately recognized the picture as the woman who had been his guide during his near-death experience. He now believes that that the brain uh, acts as a filter that consciousness exists in spite of the brain, not because of it. So he's just one example 
of somebody that's uh, intimately qualified to speak on the matter, having been his field of study and also having had his personal experience in the matter. And, and, and I agree. Uh, consciousness exists independent of and in spite of the brain. There's another account of a woman whose name escapes me right now, but she had uh, a vascular malformation in her brain that was so big, the only way to operate on it surgically was to do a they cool you, make you hypothermic, stop your heart, stop the blood flow, and then do the surgery on the brain. And she was on an EEG monitor. She was on a cardiac monitor. They did this procedure on her, and she had no brainwave activity and no cardiac activity. By clinical definition, one could say that she was dead. And yet when she woke up, she described experiences in the OR outside of her body, seeing things she couldn't have seen otherwise, and hearing conversations of the OR staff that took place, despite the fact that she had sounded emitting earplugs in her ears that would have kept her from being able to hear. Wow. So there, there's good evidence that these things exist despite the brain, not because of it. So that leads me to my next question, which is you've, you've studied this, you've researched research this, you've been around it for a really long time. And I wonder if you have opinions as to the percentage of people who have these experiences. Are they all mostly the same? Are they vastly different? Um, are there common threads? There's some studies that suggest that as much as 5% of the general population, that's one out of 20, have had some kind of near-death experience or something related closely to that kind of an experience. And there are common elements. They're not identical. They're not all the same. Everyone is uh, unique in some way or another, um, but they do have common elements. So common, in fact, that uh, one of the main researchers in this field, Dr. Bruce Grayson at University of Virginia, uh, came up with a scale when he first started studying this over 40 years ago. It was called the Grayson scale, where you describe the elements in your experience to see if how closely it matches up with other people's experiences. So they actually have metrics that they measure the similarity of these things and whether, whether they think it qualifies, if you will, as a near-death experience. Um, most people talk about having an out-of-body experience. Uh, a lot of them talk about encountering divine beings. Many of them encounter loved ones. A lot of them talk about lights and tunnels, going through a tunnel. They have a, a distorted sense of time or a sense that time is no longer exists. Uh, these are common elements that many people have, but the individual experiences are all unique. Yeah. What percentage of the folks that you have been around are fully changed after these experiences? Yes. Uh, in my experience, I think virtually all of them are deeply and permanently changed by the experience. Um, it, it often disrupts their personal life because it changes their perspective in so many ways. It often People often end up uh, divorcing changing their jobs. Sometimes they, they take a completely different direction in life based on what they experienced. And um, it doesn't just change them physically or in this realm. It's almost as if a door is opened 
during their experience, and it never quite fully closes afterwards. And they continue, a lot of them, to have spiritual experiences that are difficult difficult for them to describe or explain. And often it makes it difficult for them to feel settled in their life as, as they had been before. Well, that would signify to me that it's really changed them who they are as an individual to um, change their career, to change spouse. In fact, that what you just said is one of the metrics that they look at to argue that this is not just an anoxic brain injury or a temporal lobe seizure or uh, drug-induced hallucination or some of the other explanations that have been posited to explain NDEs. Those experiences almost never have any kind of a permanent effect on somebody in changing their perspective or their philosophies in life and, or, or have that kind of permanency. But people that have a near-death experience are often dramatically and permanently changed. And one of the other things that's interesting, too, is they have this phenomenon where they can recollect the experience as if it happened a moment ago, even if it's decades later. Okay, you cut out just a little bit there at the end, but I think that what you said was even if it's decades later, they can recollect the experience like as if it's yesterday. Right. That's fascinating. So if somebody has a near-death experience who's listening to the podcast and or they want to research more, they just want to know good organizations to look at, what would you recommend? There's a few things you can do. There's an organization called the International Association for Near-Death Studies. A-I-N-D-S is the abbreviation or the acronym. And they have a website. And there's probably a chapter near you. And in this day and age, even if there's not a chapter near you, there's a chapter doing Zoom meetings once a month that you can join and you can listen to other people's experiences. You can connect with people who've had similar experiences. And in fact, they have an international conference once a year, and it's being held in September in Salt Lake City, Utah this year. And people are welcome to attend that. They can go to that website and buy tickets and attend that in person. So that's one thing that that people can do. Um, If you want to read other people's experiences or record your own for that matter, there's a radiation oncologist named Jeff Long who has a website. It's called Enderf. Near Death Experience Research Foundation is what Enderf stands for. You can go to that website. I think he has nearly or just over 5,000 NDEs on that website that people have logged on and recorded that he's researching, and you can record your own experience there as well. That's fantastic. Um, Jeff, I just want you to be able to promote your book too. Um, let everybody know what it's called. I'm sure that we can find it over on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. We'll put that information in the show notes below, but tell everybody a little bit more about what they get when they read the book and what it's called. The book is called Near Life Experiences. It's called, it's called Not Yet, Near Life Experiences and Lessons Learned. So uh, it's on Amazon. It's on my website. I ship I ship domestically, but if you're international, order it on Amazon. And if you have Amazon Prime and get free shipping, order it on Amazon and save the shipping. But it's also on my website if you want. I actually wrote a series of six children's books uh, that are available on my website as well. And I wrote a novel uh, that's on there as well. And and I just am about to publish another novel that uh, I'm just doing the final edits on 
Also on my website, uh, I offer individual mentoring and uh, people can sign up for that if they want and send me a message. The book talks about my experiences in the emergency department and the things that I learned from those spiritual experiences. And I'm happy to share them. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time and just blessing us with being on the show today. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Beautiful soul, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.